Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. All right, y'all ready? Y'all ready for this? I made a crucial error before leaving the house this morning. I forgot my chapstick. Now my lips are all dry. Napoleon Dynamite, nobody? All right, welcome to the... Uh, the last edition of Passive Aggressiveness. Have you been enjoying this? Might just help me out a little bit here. We're going to preach some happy sermons. Uh, I got a sermon series coming up next. Just two parts called Wonder. Uh, wonder. We were out walking with, I was out walking with some of our staff and I kept interrupting all the important things that were happening because I was just looking around. I'm like, I wonder why pine trees smell the way that they smell. I, I wonder why the, when the sun hits the leaves, it just... There's this, there's this piece of you that needs to wonder about God and wonder about the greatness of God. See, we get so, so lost in our own equation sometimes that we forget that he made all of this. He made you. He, he formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were born. That's how important you were to the heart of God. And I'm going to preach about wonder. You know, sometimes I think that the, the question is more important than the answer. I wonder why. I wonder who. I I wonder how this all works together. God, you're so much bigger than I. As he gets bigger, your problems get smaller. As he gets bigger, your relationships start to get fixed and get healthy. Here's what what God wants for you. Here's what I want for you. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. Paul is um, preaching this to the Galatian church. He says, what happens when we live life God's way? He's like, we've had enough living our lives for us. Now it's time to find out this whole other way of life. He says he, he brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. You, you, walk, you drive by an orchard, you walk in an orchard, and uh, the, the trees are bearing fruit. You don't hear, uh, you don't hear a lot of this going on. <laughs> Apple. I'll tell you, we got something wrong if bearing fruit and good fruit in your life is a real struggle. You know, if, if passive aggressiveness has been part of your story, I know how much energy that takes. I get it. When we live God's way, he says, it's like driving past an orchard. They're just doing what they do. Because a healthy tree bears fruit, and it's not hard. That's what I want for you. I don't want your life to be a struggle anymore. I want it to be easy. I want it to be, the, look, it'll be hard, but not hard like that. This is a different kind of a hard. He brings gifts into our lives. He says things like affection for others. Oh, what's he saying now? I'll bet you if you're passive aggressive, your affection for others isn't as high. You're very affectionate for you. Let's talk about affection for others. He says, how about exuberance about life? If there's a soul-sucking disease, it's called passive aggressiveness, that little inward resistance, the like yes outside and no on the inside, like, no, nah, I'm just going to withhold, I'm just going to wait and see, I'm just going to, there's this exuberance about life. Why are you so afraid? What are you so afraid of? God is like, you're sons and daughters of mine. If you're on your journey towards God, you get adopted into the family of God, you're a son of God, you become a daughter of God. He's like, there should be this exuberance and this faith and this fun. You're missing out. He's like, you're struggling to bear fruit. And he says, serenity. Serenity. There's a serenity outside of your control that you can't possibly imagine. You try to control things, but it doesn't really bring you peace. It just gives you a little bit of quiet. 
And really bring your peace and serenity. And then it says, we find ourselves involved in, here's something else you want, loyal commitments. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, almost like we find ourselves in the middle of commitments that we couldn't keep loyal before. That There's always this faithlessness about us. And he's like, that could change. And he says, not needing to force our way in life. I don't want my daughters to have to force their way in life. I want them to get married. I want them to have kids. I want them to have careers. I just want them to have a life that's graced by Christ. Not having to force their way in, in and direct our, uh, able to marshal, get that marshal and direct our, our energy wisely. I like that. It'll marshal and direct our energy. Instead of pouring it out in the wrong place at the wrong time, fighting with the... You know how much energy arguing takes? It's exhausting. You could live your life without struggle. You could. I'm excited about my little mini-series of wonder coming up next. I think it's going to be fun. There's more power in the question than in the answer sometimes. It directs you to the, the Savior, to the Creator. I think that's better for you. My dad's going to preach a couple of sermons on forgiveness. I think it's time. I, yeah, I think it's time. That's going to be incredible. I'm looking forward to that. In Proverbs chapter 25, um, there's a proverb of Solomon. Solomon uh, either wrote the Proverbs or collected the Proverbs Remember our main story, uh, our main character in our story is Absalom. Uh, Solomon is about eight or nine years younger than Absalom is. He's Absalom's half-brother. And Solomon eventually becomes king of Israel. You might know the end of the story, but when, I, when we get into our text, they don't know that that's the end of the story. And so uh, sometimes it's easy for us to look at the men and women in the Bible living in the middle of faith, but what you don't see is how hard they're sweating in the middle of that and how much fear they're dealing with and how much danger they were in physically and emotionally and you don't see that part you see what God wanted to do I'm preaching to somebody now you're in the middle of something you don't know that on the other side of this is freedom you don't know you're just in and Solomon watches his brother um, I've called this sermon hijacked watches his his brother Absalom's his older brother Absalom's his his soul get hijacked by something he watches the damage that it does to his, his nation, to his own family, to Absalom. And he writes this, and if I was a Solomon, I would be thinking, Absalom would be the main player in this verse. Whoever, he says, has no rule over his own spirit. He's not talking about controlling yourself in this rigid sort of passive-aggressive thing. No, he's talking about self-control over your spirit. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit, whoever is not disciplined cannot discipline his reactions, whoever cannot discipline her mouth, whoever cannot, there's something else that hijacks you that puts you in a panic. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit, he says, is like a city broken down without walls. If I was Solomon, I'd be thinking about Absalom when I wrote this one down. Like a city broken down without walls. He got all this hair. He got this beautiful image. He's the best looking guy in all of Israel. He's the son of a king. But he's like, but what he really was on the inside was like a city broken down without walls. Meaning, meaning, you ready? The devil can come and take anything he wants whenever he wants to. Because he had no rule over his own uh, spirit. It was like he had no ruler over his own spirit. He had this other thing that would come in and rule over him. 
and, and uh, break the walls of his life down. What, what the devil, um, he by treachery would seize what he can't in your life uh, by power. The devil seems like he has a lot of power in our lives, but he really has no more power than the human race gives him. Um, he was defeated on the cross once and for all. Uh, the, the blood of Jesus covering the sins of mankind once and for all. All of the devil's temptation and the power of sin and the, the hold uh, that sin has on our hearts and the addiction. All of that broken once and for all. There's a scripture that says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of him. He put a spotlight on him and embarrassed him. Stripped him down and told him, give me 5,000 push-ups, devil. And the only power that the devil has now is through treachery. So he can't shout because he has no authority to. He only has what power you give him. But he would by treachery, he would, listen to this, this is what he does. He would, by whispering in your ear, he would hijack your soul. You think when you argue with your spouse, you think when you argue with your mom that you're just doing this and it's all coming from you and from, it's, a, it's all original with you. No, no. When you get things wrong, all you're doing is listening and repeating something you're hearing in your ear. When you get things right, it might be the Holy Spirit whispering in the other ear. You're just repeating something that you're hearing. Just repeating something that you're, you're hearing. Some of us, we get a little superstitious sometimes, and we get this thing. I heard somebody say that, that um, I have to listen to this inner voice because if I, when I listen to it, things turn out okay, but when I don't, things don't turn out okay. Well, that's okay if it's the Holy Spirit. There was a time in my life when I was 18. I don't tell anybody this because it was kind of stupid, but I'm t- I'm telling you. I got a little superstitious, though. I, you know, my mom Irish. We got superstition problems. <laughs> Come on, can I hear an amen to the Irish? Um, I was, I was working out at a place, a trap shooting place. You know what that is? It's like clay pigeons, little uh, discs that they throw out on machines and then you shoot them with shotguns. It's like golf, but with a shotgun. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. But it's not just golf. Golf is so hard. But golf with guns? I'm in. I'm in. And so I used to work, I used to go uh, back in the bush and I used to throw these sporting clays out on these machines with springs and so I'd fire these things out and, and I was working in this place, I worked there for years and then I started getting a little superstitious about things. You, you know, superstitious, if, if you're not, if you're a very logical person, I guess I wasn't in the time. I'm like, you know what, if I walk on the left side of the path, good things will happen. But if I walk on the right side, oh my goodness. So if I walk on the left side of the path, and if I pick up something this way, and if I say something that way, and if I... When the devil whispers in your ears, and you're fighting with your spouse, and you say stupid stuff, okay, just, if I walk on the left side of the path, as opposed to the right side of the path, it makes a huge difference. God is so small that he can't... Anyways. I got a little superstitious, and, 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 and uh, the, the, have you ever seen trap shooting? They, they sit there with their, their, their guns ready, and then they yell, Pull! And when they yell pull, you release your machine and then fire another one off. This is sporting clay, so it was always in pairs. And so, but what would happen is that the customers would yell pull, and I wouldn't uh, feel lucky for a second. <laughs> you don't know this about me. I, I'm past it. I wouldn't feel lucky, and then I would just wait for a couple of seconds. Well, that wait, and you're like, you got a gun. And yeah. does anybody know what I'm talking about here, y'all? Yes. Y'all millennials don't. 
trap shoot. Um, until my boss came and talked to me. And he's like, are your ears okay? You know, in that moment that he talked to me, I realized that listening to that voice in my head was creating bad luck. <laughs> Something bad was happening when I did what it said. It wasn't the Holy Spirit at all. You're just doing something that somebody's telling you to do. It's not originating with you. There's good and there's bad. And one is whispering in your one thing and one is whispering in the other thing. And I realized that the leader in my life at the time did something for me and got me unstuck because I didn't want to lose my job. You didn't know that about me. Now I just walk wherever I want to on the path. I just walk wherever I want. Bad luck. He got me unstuck. Leaders. Now you get us unstuck. You listen to, uh, Absalom was listening. I'm going to read you an account of uh, one of his counselors that he was listening to. A passive-aggressive counselor. If you grew up in a family, the people whispering in your ears and they were passive-aggressive, then you got passive-aggressive advice put in you. And this other thing came to you and started being a part of you. And then when you come to Christ and he wants to set you free from this inward resistance and this fearful, controlling, angry existence. When, when God wants to set you free from this, he starts whispering in the other ear. And whichever one you feed the most wins. And sometimes when you come to God, you got to like put the oxygen mask on before you go back and help somebody else. you got to get free of that voice wherever it comes from. And I realized that there's, there's counselors that you and I are drawn to. See, one counselor over here on the passive-aggressive side is saying, is trying to get us to get what we want. And the Holy Spirit is trying to whisper how to get what we need. Yeah, you can clap. Hey, look, when you clap, you're not clapping for the preacher. I go home, my kids clap for me because they have to. No, I'm just kidding. When you clap for me, when I'm clapping and I hear a word of God, I'm like, this is coming home with me. I am. Come on now. It's coming home with me. I, <laughs> I realized that that, uh, that passive aggressive thing is whispering what I want. And this thing is whispering. The Holy Spirit is whispering what I need. And, and uh, But see, th this is how it works. If you're struggling with this passive aggressiveness in your life, this stubbornness, this thing that just won't let go, this thing that takes all your good days and makes them bad days and take your bad days and make them nightmares. Come on. Man, the devil knows how to time you. Get you all wound up. This voice here will wind you up. Uh, this voice here will unwind you. you. You can be in the middle of a storm and asleep in the boat because God's got it. He made the storm of the season. He made my husband act like a jerk. I don't have to be worried about it. That's him. Eh? You want to act like a jerk? Act like a jerk. I'm going to be serene. I'm going to be at rest. My soul is going to be okay. And I realized that that, that whole uh, whisper and, and high see. So, so here's, here's the only way that I know of. And I got to experience. The only way I know that you can get free of passive aggressiveness. You can't do it by yourself. That's what the devil's been trying to tell you. You got it. It's okay. Just deal with it. Just deal with it. Well, you're not. It's impossible. It doesn't work like that. Um, the only way that I know to deal with this thing is, is that God will send you a leader. God sent me leaders to get me unstuck. Some of them weren't even Christians. I, or some of the people I work for weren't even Christians. God sent me leaders to get me unstuck from this thing. God can use whoever he wants. You're not God. You can't. 
He can. He can send a three-year-old kid from the block and give you instruction. And if you do it, you'll do well. God can do whatever he wants. And tell your teacher at school, he can even talk to your mom, teenagers. I know you think they don't understand you because you're so complicated. You're complicated because you're just listening to what you want. And nobody care what you want. I just got to get you what you need. I can get you what you need. I can't get you everything you want. Oh, that's good preaching. All the teenagers are hot. And so what happens is, what happens is, this voice will wind you up. This voice will unwind you. So, so the only way I know of to get free is to, is to listen to the leaders, your small group leaders, your team leaders, listen to your mom, listen to your leaders, listen to your boss. Or the only way I know to get free of this particular thing is that. And so here's the thing. God wants to get you next to the leader, get the leader next to you to get you free. You want to know what the devil wants? Just follow me. He wants to get you next to the leader to annoy the heck out of them. They both want the same thing. Here, but not here. See, what happens if you're a passive-aggressive person, you probably started with a people-oriented gift, and you also probably started fairly smart. It just traps smart people. I don't know why. So if you're struggling with it, you can be like, pastors call me smart. But I'll tell you what, in the middle of an argument, in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a temptation, it will eventually make you do the dumbest possible thing that you can do. It will make you do the most illogical thing because you're acting out of this voice. It, makes, it will make no sense why you dealt with your child like that in public. Why would you do that? You come back after, you're like, why would I do that? Why would I say that to my wife? Am I that crazy? It doesn't start crazy because superstition doesn't start crazy. The devil can like, if you walk on the side of the path, the devil can give you a bit of blessing too. He's not completely without influence. He can trick you a little bit until one day it stops. And then bad luck comes. And so God wants to get you next to a leader. The devil also wants to get you next to a leader too. Why? Because there's nothing more frustrating to a leader than a very dumb, smart person. When I'm talking to all y'all and you're passive-aggressive, I'm like... I cannot believe that you are calling this a plan. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I get so frustrated. I just, what? I think God told me to do this. And I'd be like, what? I can't see it because your feelings are good. I'll be like, what do you want me to say then? God told me. Well, I like God, and I don't want to make him mad. What do you want me to say? You don't ever say that to your pastor, by the way. Say, like, hey, maybe God said this. Give yourself a little place to be wrong, because you're not right all the time. I rarely, like, God told me to say this to you. Sell your house and go get a bigger house. <laughs> Woo! Somebody's like, yeah, pastor said, honey. Like, no, you just want something. You just want a bigger truck. There's this thing, though, that... that the, the devil will make you the most frustrating individual to your boss because you have all these suggestions, but when you're in a passive-aggressive mode, you're dumb. Your, your brain leaves. You're being run by emotions like a city broken down without walls. 
you're being suggested crazy things. And then you have to take yourself very seriously and suggest them on. And that's why you don't get promoted, because your ideas are crazy. You want to be really smart? Be led by the Spirit of God. Be led by the Spirit of God. Let this thing go. So that in the middle of a conflict, your spirit is good. And you can actually say, no, that's not what I said. This is what I said, and it was wrong, and I'm sorry. Let's be accurate. Uh, it'll just make you dumb. I got so many stories, y'all. I could just... I was talking with a young man. He had never done a landscaping job before with paving stones. His mom go to church here. I asked if I could share this. And, and he was going to do this for my old neighbor. And my old neighbor, I, he Googled how much it would cost a professional to do this. And that's the price he gave to the neighbor. But he'd never done one. And my neighbor's like, I, why would I hire him? I'm like, that's a great question. I don't know, but he was a friend of mine. And I'm like, so I talked to him. I tried to talk to him in my yard. I was looking over the fence. And I'm just like, why don't you offer her half the labor costs? He's like, but Google said. I'm like, oh, Google. Did Google tell you that you're not the professional that gets paid that? Did Google say that you don't know what you're doing because you've never done one of these before? Well, it doesn't look that hard. <laughs> smart people, very stupid. You know, when you're stubborn, you are not smart. New information has no place to go when you're being stubborn. It just like breaks off of the walls of your brain. It just falls to pieces, man. Like New information in an argument should change how you think and feel. If it doesn't change how you think and feel, there is something wrong inside of you. It's you. It's your heart's hard. No, it should change you when you find out, oh, that's why you were late. Oh, it was a car accident. Oh. All right. And so I finally said to him, I'm like, why don't you offer half? And he's like, well, no, it's worth this. I'm like, you're not worth this. Why do you not understand the words coming out of my mouth? So I finally said to him, I'm a results guy. I can get you a result with no information, y'all. It's a gift from God. I don't know. I'm like, did you get the contract? No. So you're going to make zero dollars. Is half of any number better than zero dollars, y'all? When you don't got a job. Uh, I could say more. I'm not going to. See, a passive-aggressive thing, this is what it does. It, it, uh, God will try and be trying to hold up a mirror to you, and in a conflict, and in a struggle, and he'll be trying to hold up a mirror, and, and then you think it's a window. And you're like, that person has an anger problem. And God's like, that person has an anger problem. You just think that you're seeing you. That person's a liar. Oh, you're the liar. It's a mirror. It's not a window. When you're passive aggressive, you cannot see the other person accurately. All you see is you, but you think it's them. Because it's very dumb. Preach it. Whoa. Kick that devil out of your life. It's a mirror. God will not tell you the faults of other people. He'll be talking to you about you. You don't get to go and make everybody else's life right. No, no, no. Why don't you let Jesus do that? 
there are times I got, you got to bring correction, but like most of the time when God is speaking, he's speaking to you. You go home and try to apply this to your kids and God is trying to speak to you. And if you'd get right, then maybe your kids could get right. Shoot. All right. 2 Samuel 15. So Absalom went to Hebron. Absalom, who was wounded by something his half-brother did, you're going to find out today that he created far more wounds than were ever done to him. Uh, Absalom went to Hebron. While he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. As soon as you hear the ram's horn, his message said, you are to say, Absalom has been crowned king in Hebron. He took 200 men from Jerusalem with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. This is why I had to preach this the way I had to preach, because these are very smart people in Jerusalem. They're rulers and authorities and governors and 200 of them, and nobody knew what was really going on inside. That's how hard it is to find. If you find this in a child, uh, dig it out. Uh, Fix it. Get it right. So hard to nail down. And it says, while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, (laughs) funny, he's offering sacrifices to God while planning a rebellion in his heart against his father. It's funny how he's offering sacrifices in church while he's planning a rebellion against the God who put David in charge. It's funny how twisted he is now. He thought that this voice was this voice. And uh, it says, uh, Ahithophel, he sent for uh, Ahithophel, one of David's counselors who lived in in Gilo. He Uh, Soon many others also joined Absalom, and the conspiracy gained momentum. Sometimes uh, when you're preaching to the choir, everybody's amen, and and he must have been preaching to a passive-aggressive choir. Uh, He was being preached to. He was just relaying what he was being preached to. Watch this, Ahithophel. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell uh, David. uh, Watch David's reaction. All Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you, he said. Then we must flee at once or it will be too late. David urged his men, hurry. If we get out of the city before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. Now look at David's heart. Even in all of this, he was the one being wronged, really. And his first thought was for his people. No, 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 no. I, it's not about whose team everybody's on. I don't want the innocents to get hurt. Let's just go. You can leave an argument, you know, you don't have to be there till the bitter end. Everybody's shooting at everybody. He just left. He just, he just left. Ahithophel. Ahithophel. Who's Ahithophel? It's interesting that Ahithophel, um, David was not without mistakes, but his heart was good. He himself wasn't a passive aggressive, and he made a mistake with Bathsheba. I don't know if you were in Sunday school and know that. He did something terrible and... But God redeemed the situation uh, eventually, and Solomon was born eventually to Bathsheba. And Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandfather. You know that? So, so he gets Ahithophel on his side. Ahithophel had something against David, even though he was David's counselor for a long time. There was something inside of him. I hated him. Well, watch what he does. So think Solomon's great-grandfather and, and Bathsheba's grandfather. Now, um, now, because he's passive-aggressive, and now he's serving a passive-aggressive, uh, someone who's just been anointed king, now you see what's really been going on in his heart the whole time, but, but catch this. Um, his words, 
This is eventually what happens in a fight. Eventually what happens in a crisis. This is how you spend your money. This, what he's suggesting to Absalom now, now David flees. Who's he going to flee with? Well, Bathsheba and Solomon. Right? They can't stay. And now what he's doing is giving Absalom advice that hurts his own family. And did you know that when the hurt was done to Absalom's sister and the whole wound started, that Solomon now, when he flees, would be about the same age as Absalom was when he had that wound. And yet Solomon didn't carry this wound forever because now he's got to flee. And what happens in his family here is actually worse than what happened before. It's Absalom. And yet Solomon flees and his spirit is still okay. How can some people get hurt and betrayed, but not you? You just carry the same wound around forever. It's not getting healed. It's passive-aggressive thing. You have to let the Spirit of God come in and fix the wound. And you can't fix it. And it says, um, Ahithophel, I can't even tell this story because we've got some kids. Ahithophel suggests to Absalom that he do something horrendous right on the roof of the palace. I can't even say how bad it was, but you read that on your own. All the kids are going to be like, I got a version Bible app. I can read this too. Well, read it because, I mean, the wages of sin is death. Like, you might as well know, right? There's people suffering in the world, and it's real. And what Absalom does is he makes himself so loathed in the sight of David because what he did to some people who, who were like mother figures to him. He does something worse than was ever done to his sister. And Ahithophel told him to do it to friends of his granddaughter. Huh. And it says this, Ahithophel urged Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men to start out after David tonight. I will catch up with him. Listen to how his heart is towards this leader. I will catch up with him while he is weary and discouraged. Oh, yeah. He and his troops will panic and everyone will run away and I will kill only the king. Y'all, that's what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to get you when you're weary and discouraged. This is actually good advice for Absalom if Absalom wants to kill David. This is good advice. This would get him the, king, the kingship. And it says, I will bring back all the people. This is the promise of that passive-aggressive counselor whispering in his ear. He says, I will bring back the, the, all the people back to you as a bride returns to her husband. Why is he using family terms here? I'm going to kill dad and bring back Israel to you as a bride returns to her husband. After all, it's only one man's life that you seek. Then you will be at peace with all the people. But you remember, Paul in Galatians just told them, like, if you want serenity, you got to do life God's way. And the passive-aggressive thing has been whispering in your ear, you gotta, you got to be lucky. you gotta do, you got to follow me. you got to listen to me. Then you will be at peace. They're both promising the same thing. One is trying to get you at peace with your desires, whether they be good or bad. And one is trying to get you at peace with the universe and God who created it and who you were supposed to be in the beginning and how he could redeem your life. This plan seemed good to Absalom and all of the other elders of Israel. Now, David had a, a plant. I love this sort of spy thing. He had another counselor that offered completely different advice. And most of the time, everybody went with Ahithophel here, but God, it says, determined to bring disaster upon Ahithophel's... Am I going to read this? Oh, I totally am. Hushai suggested... I'm not going to preach that. Just give me a sec. Hushai suggested, why don't you wait and gather all of Israel behind you, then go crush David and crush his whole army. Um... And then it says this, Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, Hushai's advice is better than Ahithophel's. 
For the Lord had determined, listen, to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel, which really was the better plan for Absalom, so that he could bring disaster on Absalom. So eventually you get in this place where you're so against what God wants to do, you actually get against God's person. There's two types of sins. There's sins against holiness, which are easier, uh, easier for God to forgive than sins against authority. Sins against authority is when your mom looks at you and says, I don't have to do what you say. In my home, like, then move to Mexico, sweetie, and eat a bunch of tacos and figure it out. Figure out your life. But if you want to eat and live indoors, sins against holiness, that's a whole other thing there. Watch me. But, but when you go against God's person, sooner or later, he'll give you counsel that will defeat you. Because nobody stands against God in the end. You know, God is who he is. And nobody comes against him. And when Ahithophel realized, watch, that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, went to his hometown, sent his affairs in order, set his affairs in orders, and hanged himself. He died there and was buried in the family tomb. He taught everybody a lesson. At the heart, if you've struggled with this, you get in passive-aggressive modes. At your heart is something called self-pity. Self-pity will put you on a destructive cycle, a murder-suicide. It will try to hurt, and it will hurt you the most in the end. He sulked because his advice had not been followed. He went and hung himself. Watch what all of this advice is doing. He, he, the devil, whispers in your ear. He whispered in Absalom's ears, kill your father and become an orphan. His advice isn't followed. He kills himself and makes his own kids orphans. God, your heavenly father. Not an orphan. Belonging to a family of God. Not an orphan. The devil wants to make you an orphan. He wants to separate you from God, your heavenly father. He wants to make you so bitter and angry that you just cut the branch off that you're sitting on. And it says this in 2 Samuel 18. The story closes down. So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim. Finally, he follows the wrong advice. He gathers all the troops of Israel, and then he goes after David. And the Israelites were beaten back by David's men. There was a great slaughter that day, and 20,000 men laid down their lives. Thousands and tens of thousands of more orphans. This is what the devil wants. This is ultimately his plan. If you get tricked in this thing and you keep listening to this counsel, eventually you will find yourself without a father in heaven. And that is not God's plan. Don't let the devil do it. Don't let him win. You have the power of heaven at your back. You just, gotta, you just can't do it yourself. God's like, you got to do it. I'll do it. Why don't, you just, why don't you just get out of the way and let me do it? It's like when my kids hand me something that's broken, then they get their little fingers in there. I'm like, yeah, learn how to talk to dad. Get your little fingers out of the way. You're going to get hurt. I need to nail stuff. I need to just let dad fix it. You'll get it back. It'll be new. Your life can be new. And it says this battle raged across the countryside and more men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. So now just random circumstances in your life seem like they're conspiring against you. And then it says during the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. Now, David's men were all grandpas by then, but uh, these are like 600 of them who, were, who followed him in the wilderness when he was no king. These 600 are still with him, but these guys had old man strength. 
They just like, they're like ants. They just, their hands just freeze on you when you're 18 and trying to wrestle your dad and they just freeze on you. You're like, stop it. Stop it. You're still stronger than me. And so as he tried to escape, but as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught on the tree. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air, man. Cut your hair before the battle. Cut your image before the battle. Just get rid of all that. You don't need it anyways. And then Joab blew the ram's horn, and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it. And all Israel fled to their homes. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said this to me. This is not in my notes, but... But look, he doesn't want that to happen to you. He doesn't want you to go down in your life and lose all your friendships and lose your family and lose your relationship with God and not have it the way that... He doesn't want you to go down and die in this unnamed grave where nobody knows who you are and nobody remembers you, nobody cares about you. That is not what God wants for you. He wants your life to matter. But we have to let this Absalom thing inside of us go down there. You got to put it in the ground and pile a great heap of stones on it and just like, you stay. You, this voice will tell you that the Holy Spirit is somebody that you can summon to get what you want. But the Holy Spirit doesn't sit and the Holy Spirit doesn't stay. You need to tell this thing, sit, stay. Let me dig a hole for you. Get down in that hole. Let me pile a bunch of rocks on. Shoot, that's good preaching. See, but self-pity, this is where it comes down to. You have to learn to hate that. You have to learn to hate it. Self-pity doesn't want Healing. You'll be crippled. You don't want to be able to walk because then you'd have to go to work. You don't want to get better because then you'd actually have to apologize for something. You don't want to go to work and have to like produce things. This is just easier to complain about everything. Self-pity doesn't want to get fixed. Do you know that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, God did not feel sorry for him? This is what passive aggressiveness will do. It will want your heavenly father to feel sorry for you, but he can't. Because if he does, you'll lose your destiny. Kings and priests unto the Lord our God. The spirit of God in you is greater than he who is in the world. He did not feel sorry for Jesus hanging on a cross. That's not what God does. He had compassion, but compassion will, will, will resurrect Jesus. Feeling sorry for them will, will hold their hand while they die, and then they'll stay down there and their marriage will be broken. No, compassion is like, rise and walk. You can do better than this. You're a son of the living God. You're a daughter of the living God. You can do this. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Get off the mat. It's time to get off the mat. Just get off the mat. You're like, but God, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If I get up, I'm going to stumble. And God's like, yeah. And it's going to hurt. Yeah. I'll fix you as you go. Rise and walk. I'll fix you as you go, but I can't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to learn how to walk again. Yeah. He's not pessimistic about your situation. He has never for one moment in his expansive eternity been worried for you. He's got it. Just do what he wants. He's not like, oh my goodness, I don't have enough power to save them from this thing. I can't fix that. That's the one thing I can't fix. He doesn't have a one thing that he can't fix. You just get your little hands out of the way. Let him do it. Uh, hockey dads, let me finish with this. My dad, when I was in hockey, was one of my coaches. He said something to me one time. Or, uh, this is just how it was. I can't remember a particular time, but I, it happened. And uh, you get a shot in the ankle sometimes, right? 
You know, here, here's what God, because God wants you to put together with God, your heavenly father. You need the presence of the Holy Spirit. You need a relationship with Jesus. But it's ultimately about a relationship with God, your heavenly father. Even these two give everything back to God. And, and what, uh, what hockey dads, they, they do three things. They, they say three words. I love this. Mom might come down on the ice and sit with you and cry for a bit. You know what dads say? Skate it off. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt if you sit there, too. Skate it off. Rise and walk. Skate it off. You're only sitting down because you decided that you couldn't do it. Good. Skate it off. Let me help you out. Skate it off. Skate. Rise and walk. Rise. I'll fix you as you go. Come on. Rise and walk. It's not about you anymore. Rise and walk. I need you healthy so that you can fix other people. Rise and walk. Rise Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for the help, and we thank you for the word of God that has come to us to set us free. You are a powerful God. You are, you are more than we ever dreamed that you could be. Let us not make you small because this other thing whispering to us is small. We want to live uh, big lives of wonder, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that today you would seal the deal in our lives. Bring the power of heaven to us and the power of our Heavenly Father who created us. Come and fix us and heal us and give us the might of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.